So back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll read verse 5 again. In 2 Timothy 1.5, the Bible says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. So again, we see here in this verse that faith can be passed down from generation to generation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's one of the best things you could pass down to your kids is strong, real faith in God. Money is great. Money is fine. But man, faith and love, there's a lot of things in life better than money. But these, this is one of the most powerful things we can, and the way it's passed down to your kids is not just by teaching them, it's by living in front of them a life of faith. They see you responding in the crisis of life. They see you remaining calm. They see you quoting scriptures, right? They see you doing things that protect your faith. They hear you talk in faith. That can be passed on, and it is passed on to your kids. What a great legacy. What an amazing inheritance to give your kids faith. Well, the word we want to focus on is the word unfeigned, and that simply means not fake. Telling us there is a fake faith. Fake faith won't get you to heaven. Fake faith won't get you healed. Fake faith won't get you prosperous. Faith fake won't get your prayers answered. And I think if there is a fake faith, we need to be aware of it so that we're not in it. And a lot of times what it is, is some people are just believing beyond where they're really at. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but when it comes to healing and prosperity and miracles and powerful ministry, sometimes they're, they're, they're wishing for certain things, thinking they're in faith. Nothing's happening year after year. And then they say, faith doesn't work. You weren't even really in faith, probably, if it wasn't working, because there's no such thing as a faith failure. Right, Rachel? She's taught that. She... Shared that at healing school, I think. There's no such thing as a f faith failure. There is such thing as failing because you thought you were in faith, right. but you weren't. Right. But that failure wouldn't be a faith failure because you weren't really in the level of faith you thought you were in the first place. Um, let me just say this to you. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. The Bible says... All things are possible to him that believes. The Bible says we overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is very, very important. No wonder the enemy attacks it. No wonder he brings forth these fake things. Faith is super important. That's why we've got to identify what it is and what it isn't and make sure we're operating in the real thing Amen. if you want results. A lot of people today have given up on God, church, because they had not seen the results that they thought their faith was supposed to produce. And they, they came to the deceptive conclusion, faith doesn't work. No, friend, faith always works. It works perfect. Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. But just saying, I believe, does not necessarily mean you're in faith about something. I mean, I could say, I'm an astronaut. Does that mean I'm an astronaut? No. You can say, I believe. And it's not wrong to say those words, but it's deeper than words. Abraham was fully persuaded and he got amazing results. When we're fully persuaded, we'll get amazing results.
turn now to 2 Corinthians 13. In that verse 5 we mentioned during the offering. And as you're turning there, I just want to say this. God can't bless pretend faith. He, he wants to help. He wants to be a blessing. He wants to pour out his blessings. But he can't per- bless fake. And, and right along with this real faith, fake faith, we're going to have to make sure that we ourselves personally aren't pretending and trying to impress and being people we're really not because that will affect your faith. And so I may get into some of that tonight. I really feel like a lot of people today, because of their insecurities, they're wearing a mask. And they're pretending to be strong when they're not. They're pretending they don't have any problems and they got a zillion of them. They're trying to cover it up with good confessions of faith. Did you know that if you want strength, you're going to have to admit you need it. Doesn't that make sense? Even the scripture, let the weak Say, I'm strong. Who's God talking to in that verse? Not those that are pretending they're not weak. He's talking to the people who are really weak. You don't even qualify for that scripture working for you unless you are weak. Now, we don't stay in weakness. We're not going to go around confessing every hour, I'm weak, I'm weak. No, if you're weak, admit it. And then now, now you can come out of it. But if you pretend you don't have it, how are you going to come out of it if you don't have it? This is something Word of Faith people need to hear. This is a little balance tonight for some of these things. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God, Jesus told Paul that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Interesting. (laughs) I guess you're going to have to admit at times... You haven't attained yet. There's more levels you can get to if you want to see a strength in your life. So in verse 5 it says, out of the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So here he tells us to examine ourselves and to make sure that our faith is real. I like that word. Uh, how many know it's okay to say, I'm not there yet? Hmm? Is that okay to say? I ain't, now, did Paul say that? Philippians chapter 3, he said, I have not attained yet. I'm following after. I'm pressing toward the mark. He said, and you think of anybody had attained something. He said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I've got degrees. I'm I'm smart. I went to education. I'm a Roman. I got all these things. And he said, you know what? I'm not there yet. I have not yet attained to where I want to be. And we know it takes guts to say, I'm not there yet. You know what you're going to have to do? You know, take off the mask and let other people know, I ain't there yet. I'm not there yet. Say this, I'm not there yet. 
but I'm on my way. God's power is strongest in our weaknesses. Hmm? Well, if you're thinking, I, I'm, I don't, I don't ever, I'm never weak, I'm never weak, well, then the power of God really is never going to be really strong in your life until you come to the conclusion, once in a while, I'm going to be weak, but I'm not going to stay weak. I am coming out. But you've got to acknowledge where you're at if you want to come out. Um, do this with me. Turn. Well, actually, I'm not going to go to that scripture. Go with me to Joel 3. I mentioned the scripture, but I want you to look at it with your own eyes here. I really believe that if we will take off the mask, be real, that we're going to see a lot more of the power of God when we need it. I mean, no, it's not okay. Uh, excuse me. It's totally okay to be imperfect. <laughs> Actually, we need to learn to be at peace in our imperfections because nobody's perfect. In um, Joel 3.10, this is a scripture I just quoted. Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm strong. But if you're pretending you're not weak when you are, you're not going to think you need to do this. You're not, and plus, it won't work for you. At times when we're weak, we do have a, we have a prescription from the Lord how to get out of weakness. Number one, admit you're weak. <laughs> Number two, say, I'm strong. Some people jump over the admit I'm weak or the honest part and just start saying, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. Sometimes you've got to slow down and say, you know what? I'm a little weak right now. What are you doing? You're being honest. You're giving God something to work with. God is not looking for perfect people, flawless people. He's looking for real people. That's who he, whose lives he can work in. Got to be real. If you're struggling with a habit, admit it. God, I'm struggling. Don't try to cover it up and say, just quote scriptures only. Before those scriptures will work for you, got to admit yeah. where you're really at. Right. Honesty is kind of a lost art today. The devil's right there to say, if you be honest about everything in your life, you're going to lose everything. And God says, no, if you're honest about things in your life, you're going to get mercy to get out of everything. The enemy doesn't want us being real because he's the father of lies. He's the author of deception. He's the author of phony. He's the author of fake. And that's not us. You say, well, I'll lose my friends if I'm real. If you have friends that... You know, are, are not going to like you because you're going to be real, then they're not your true friends anyway. You know why we all need to chill out and, and just go ahead and be honest? It's because all have sinned. Nobody's standing up in their own power. Anything good that anybody has, they received it from the Lord. Whether it was directly from the Lord or the breath to breathe, to, to earn it or to make it or to develop it or whatever. P people need to realize Anything anybody else out there has, they didn't get it just because of who they are. They got it because they operated in the principles of God or, or He helped them get it. That'll help you to realize nobody's better than you. So where did I say go to? Joel 3.10. All right, let's go to one more scripture in Mark 
9, Mark chapter 9, God can work with honesty. Say this, there are no perfect people. Now the world is going to pressure you to wear a mask. Don't let, them, don't let anybody know about your weaknesses. Don't let anybody know about what you're going through. Just put on the faith. No, don't, don't, don't do that. They won't like you. Well, you know what? If they don't like you, so what? They're not in control of your eternal destiny. Right? God will like you. He'll work with you. Well, I don't know. We've got to get out of this trying to impress people mode. Just be honest. I'm not talking about talk about everything you're feeling and talk about there's a level of confidence that we need to live in, but there are times in our life where we can't just cover things up if we want the power of God to fix them. In Mark 9, we, I taught this in healing school, what I'm going to share with you right now, about a couple years ago before Rachel took over. And it really became a revelation to me and it really kind of balanced me out in some areas because I'm word of faith through and through. I believe God. I believe in everything He said in the Word. I have high respect for faith. In Mark 9, and I want you to notice, I'm going to read a few verses here. We're going to kind of check out how this situation developed and how it ended. Let's read in verse 14, Mark 9, 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. So Jesus is coming off the mountain with Peter, James, and John, an amazing time of prayer. And he's now down in the valley. He said, And straightway all the people beheld him, and they were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question you with them? And one of them, a multitude, answered and said, Master... I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wherever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. How many of you know? That just because the great apostles of the Lord Jesus prayed for a boy, ministered to a boy, and he didn't get healed, that was no sign that God didn't want to heal him. Just because somebody's prayed for by the best in the land and they don't get healed, that is no sign God wants those people to stay in that sick condition. This scripture refutes anything otherwise. He didn't get healed through the apostles who were already delegated to heal all manner of disease and cast out devils. The boy didn't get healed. Today, people would say, wow, I brought my, my son to the best preachers in the land and their prayers didn't work. I guess it's God's will that my son stays sick. No. A thousand times no. This scripture refutes that. They got zero results and Jesus said, bring him to me. And he was not real happy because they should have been able to set this boy free. And the Lord corrected him later and told him why they couldn't. They actually had the ability and the power, but they allowed some other things to come in to choke that ability, and they weren't able to get the, per the boy delivered like they should have got him delivered. Or why you say, faithless, perverse generation, how long am I going to put up with you? 
right? He's trying to teach them a lesson here. And it says, they brought him to him, in verse 20, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit tore him. He had a convulsion, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Now, let me just stop here for a second. Sunday, we talked about remaining calm in crisis. And we connected it to believing in how much the Lord loves us. Just remember that when the crisis comes, remain calm. Because if you're all upset, the thing that you're facing is probably going to move you instead of you moving it. You've got to learn to stay calm because the Lord's love would never let you down. Are you listening to me? This here right here. So, so the boy just takes the devil, just rises up and throws a convulsion on this boy. He's falling in the fire, falling in the water, foaming at the mouth. And it's so cool, Jesus' response. He didn't go, whoa! Oh, i got to deal with this! Jesus was so cool and so calm, so in control. All he, he said, okay, so this, this boy's just wallowing, foaming, the spirits tearing him. And Jesus asked his father, how long ago since this came unto him? Just remaining calm. This is very important. If you want to see supernatural results, you can't let things move you. Paul said, none of these things move me. If the storm can move you, you probably ain't going to be able to move it. And Jesus stays calm. I mean, just picture what you would do in a situation like this. Boys having convulsion, falling in the fire, falling in the water. Call a doctor. we got to do something. Jesus just stands there and goes, how long has this been happening? Boys just fall, flopping all over the place. What's that called? That's called remaining calm in crisis and realizing my father is greater than all. And this thing will be taken care of no matter what the devil tries to do to throw me off. How long ago since this came to him? He said, of a child. And the man, the father of the child said, oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And that's what most people are saying today. Lord, if you can do anything, help my marriage. Lord, if you can do anything, help me get out of this sickness. Lord, if you can do anything, help my child. Lord, if you can do anything. Uh, here's the newsflash. He can do anything. He created planets in the beginning. He raises the dead, right? Heals the maimed as well as the lame. That's not the question, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He can do anything. question is, what are you fully persuaded He'll do for you? What are you fully persuaded He can and will do for you? That's the question. Because look, Jesus put it right back in the man's lap and said, next verse, Jesus said to him, if, I can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. One of my most favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I can't think of any problem this can't fix. Come on, now think about it. Healing of stage four cancer is possible to them that believe or Jesus lied. Hmm? Now, let's go back to what we said earlier. I've had people at times ask me because they're battling something terminal or battling a disease that, that's... You know, not a little thing. Pastor, I, I'm believing God and I'm, I'm just standing on the word. Um, 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 you know, but the doctors want me to come in. They, they want to do some tests and they want to do this and that. And do you, do you think, and I, I'm in faith, Pastor. I'm believing for healing, but, but do you think I should go to the doctor? 
oh yeah, you need to go ASAP. Because if you have to question it, you, ain't, you are not fully persuaded. Go and God will meet you where you're at because you'll be honest. You're fully persuaded that if you go, you're really going to get some help and God's going to be behind it. Better to get some help here than die thinking you're here. Fred Price talks about ladies in his church that developed breast cancer out in Los Angeles at the Faith Dome out there. And, and they, he's seen ladies die because they, just, they thought they were in faith. That lump appeared in their breast. They refused to go to the doctor. They were believing God. And so Fred had to write a book for his whole congregation, Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. Which is it? And he had to start helping people say, Listen, God will go with you to the doctor. He will supernaturally work beyond their natural abilities to help you. He'll put his power in the medicine. He'll do things. He'll speed up the natural healing process. And if that's where you're at, don't die young pretending you're here. Operate where you're really at. You have to come back to the question, what am I fully persuaded that if I do, will bring Bible results? Whoever said God won't go to... God is allowed in hospitals. He'll go in there with you. He'll work through the doctor's hand and the doctor won't even know it. And he'll think he did a great job. But we'll go home praising the Lord, saying, Lord, thank you for working through that doctor. Thank you for his help in the natural, but thank you, you were behind it. People say, should I go to the hospital because I'm really believing God? Listen, if you got to ask, go. I'll help you go. I'll drive you. I'll buy medicine. Let's go and believe God that he's going to help you through the doctor and through the medicine. And just keep growing in faith. Let's keep developing in faith. But you're not going to grow if you don't work work out where you're at. All right? So he said, I'm believing God for a $1 million car. What's that car that costs a million dollars? Whatever. I, uh, is it a Bugatti? A Bugatti. A million dollar car. Somebody says, ah, it's crazy. I wouldn't pay that much for that. Well, they must honestly think, think it's worth that much so they wouldn't have bought it, right? <laughs> I guess it depends what you value. But anyway, I'm going to believe for one of those Bugattis. I'm, I'm believing for that. And you've never even believed in a pair of socks yet. Right. You've never even prayed a prayer for a pair of socks and seen somebody just supernaturally hand you a pair of socks or come to your door or package... <laughs> I'm not saying you have to start off with a pair of socks. But you need to be honest. Do you have Volkswagen faith or Bugatti faith? Hmm? Now listen, if you keep using your Volkswagen faith, you could get to a Bugatti faith. But it's not just going to happen because you, you keep... You have to start exercising your faith where you're at. Where are you at? Only you know, and God knows. What are you fully persuaded of in your heart that if you do, I'm full, I have no doubt I'll see Bible results if I do this. Some people, if they slow down and ask themselves, you know what, if I, according to Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, if I get in the Word like I know I need to get in the Word, turn off the dumb TV for a month or two and get in the Word like I know I need to get in the Word, get it in my heart, get it in my mouth, get it in my mind, I know if I get in the Word like I know I need to get in the Word, not too long from now, I'll see my miracle. But see that? The lazy doesn't want to hear that. 
Lazy wants to hear, no, I can just keep eating how I'm eating and watching what I'm watching and I'm just believing God for this miracle. <laughs> You're wishing. You're hoping. You're wanting something. But you ain't fully persuaded. You know where you're fully persuaded at. Some people, some people would be healed of their disease if they would just do everything they know they're supposed to do in the natural and spiritually. I tell you, there's some people right now that would be fully persuaded that if they would change their diet, exercise a little more, quote more healing scriptures over their life, attend as many services as they can for the next few weeks and months, healing class. There are some people that if they, are, if they would think about that, that's where their full persuasion is. And if they do that, and they stay in faith about it, they'll see a miracle, maybe not as spectacular, maybe not as immediate, but let's face it, miracle is a miracle whether you get it immediately or over time. By degree. Anybody having fun besides me? The devil says if you're an honest person, you're going to lose everything. You're not going to, you're going to be in doubt and unbelief. Now, what did I tell you to go to? Okay, we got this here, right? Now, now look at the re- next of the verse. Look, look at the rest of this. Jesus is still talking to the man. Verse 24. Straightway, now notice here, immediately the father of the child cried out because his son's still flopping around and said with tears, you ready? Lord... I believe. Now the next phrase, there's a lot of word of faith people afraid to admit. If this in fact was something they needed to admit. Lord, I believe. Help mine unbelief. Bad confession. Depends. Are you saying it every hour on the hour, all the time? Are you just acknowledging something? Opening up to being real so the Lord can help you. Obviously, it wasn't a bad confession because the man's child got healed two verses later. Devil left him, totally healed and delivered, completely set free after he was what? Real. Right? He was real. Lord, I believe. Do you know, everybody struggles with doubt, fear, sins, right? All of sin comes short of the glory. There comes a time, if you really want to see the Lord's help, you got to be real with Him. I'm not talking about talking your feelings all the time. I'm talking about acknowledging and then receiving the Lord's help. If we never open up, if we always got these fronts on, how can the Lord get to us? He's not just going to barge through what we want in our lives. Sometimes you just got to acknowledge and say, Lord, I'm believing, but man, I just don't feel like I'm making the connection here. And I know I shouldn't go by feelings, but Lord, I just, I need some help. I'm believing, but help me to stay out of unbelief. That might be some people's breakthrough right there. Help my unbelief. Wow, that's a terrible confession, Pastor. Not if it's honesty. Now, it could get off if that's all you say. Oh, I just don't don't believe. I just don't believe. No, he only said this once. 
He acknowledged something. He was honest. And the Lord was able to work with that. So he said, Lord, I believe. But <laughs> doubt is coming at me like a machine gun. My son looks like he's going to die. It's happened since he's been a youth. Devil's telling me I'm never going to see the victory. I could use a little help, Lord, in this unbelief area that's coming against me. I got some unbelief in me and I need your help. What happens if you're honest like that? Next verse. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. This kid was totally free forever. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. What did that follow? It followed a man using all the faith he had, but realizing there's some unbelief that he needed some help with. Right. And he got a miracle. See, that's That's real. See, the man could have said, I believe, I believe, I'm doing great, and I'm strong, and everything's great. But if that's not the truth, the Lord only works with truth. Man, that's just fun. 1 Corinthians 4. <laughs> As you're turning there, why wear a mask? Everybody sinned, right? Um... The Canaanite woman. Oh, amazing. She got a miracle. Actually, the Lord said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you want. Her daughter was vexed with the devil back at home. She was having some kind of weird things happen to her. And uh, mama went and found Jesus. Daughter was at home on the bed, all messed up, vexed with an evil spirit. The woman came to Jesus and said, Jesus, come help me. Heal my daughter. She, she needs help. And the Lord didn't even answer her. And she ran up to the disciples and said, we need help. And the disciples said, she's coming after us now, Lord. What do we do? And she's all persistent. She comes back to Jesus and said, Lord, you've got to help me. My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. He said, honey, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, most people right there would have got offended and missed their miracle. And the daughter never would have been set free. She had some teachableness about her. She was able to be corrected without being offended. And it all ended really, really good. But what would you do if a preacher told you today, I'm not sent to help you. I'm sent over here to help these people. You'd probably go, who do you think you are, preacher? I come to you for help. Yeah, and you'll miss your miracle too. I mean, she, Jesus said, honey, I'm not sent to you. I'm not sent to the Canaanites. I've got a mission here on the earth. Now, he died for the whole world, but in his physical ministry, he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I'm not sent to you. I'm a busy man. I got people. I got places to go, man. I'm... And she said, Lord, please. It says she worshiped him. She said, please help me. And Jesus said, it's not right, lady, to take the children's bread, that which is reserved for Israel, and give it to dogs. All right. That's it. Last straw. Preacher. You calling me a dog? How many know if the Lord calls you a dog and you want to see a miracle, you need to go bow wow? <laughs> now, come on. Back in those days, he wasn't saying she was a dog because of her looks. or be, 
Samaritans were looked at as dogs to the Jewish people, and it wasn't as slang as it is today. Nevertheless, there was some truth there. And the interesting thing about it is she humbled herself, was totally honest with the Lord, and said, Lord, according to tradition and all, I'm a dog. Or she could have said, who do you call? I'm not. She could have had this mask on. She could have had all this, you know, all these walls up saying, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm not a dog. She just said, you know what? I don't know, when you take off your mask and you agree with reality, you're about ready to see what you need from the Lord. She said, truth, Lord. But, now she got the Lord here. It's really kind of, that's why he said, oh woman, great is your faith. She said, truth, Lord, I'm a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You are my master. I make you my master. I am a dog. And I'm going to eat some of the crumbs of healing that are for Israel because I'm a dog and I eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. He said, oh woman. Every time I, I look at this passage of scripture, I see the Lord smiling saying, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. She went home. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. No more vexation and harassment of the devil. She's totally set free. I believe one of the reasons it worked is because she was open, had no masks, had had perfect honesty. She had some faith. Obviously, the Lord said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. So you see how honesty and great faith work together. She got a miracle. What about the guy who got his servant healed? He said, Lord, come and, and speak the word. Help, help my servant. He's dying. And then as they were headed to the house, the man said, no, no, listen, Lord, <laughs> i got some things going on in my house that I really don't want you to see. I'm not worthy you should come under my roof. What's he doing? He's being honest. Mm-hmm. Right? Lord, there's some stuff in the house that I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And the Lord said, go your way. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm not perfect. Right. Instead of saying, oh, I deserve this. And, and I have strong faith. And I've been quoting scriptures. And, and you still don't deserve it. Right. <laughs> Why don't we just get real and say, Lord, I believe by your mercy and grace I'm getting what I don't deserve, and I'm not getting what I do deserve. (laughs) I'm not getting the punishment I do deserve, but I'm getting the blessings I don't deserve. Thank you. Some people say, well, I just don't deserve to be treated like that. And I just don't deserve these problems coming against me. I don't deserve this. No, you don't. You deserve a lot worse. (laughs) We all deserve death, hell, and the grave yesterday. Let's don't talk about what we deserve. Let's talk about mercy and grace. Mercy means we don't get the punishment and judgment we deserve. Woo! Grace, I like to say it like this. Grace means we get the blessings we could never earn and don't deserve. I say that's where we put our faith. Is on His mercy and His grace, not on our perfection. Alright. Two more scriptures in 1 Corinthians 4. I hope you're understanding what, what's on my heart tonight. I want you to get this. I, I just think it's time for people to be a little more honest and real. 
I'm not talking about living in a zone of always talking what you feel and all this and that. But I do think a lot of times in the Word of Faith camp, we have to watch out about going too far, just like any denomination has to watch out about going too far. You know, a lot of denominations started off amazing, and then you just went too far in some areas, went overboard, started emphasizing their truth, putting down other truths, and then things got messed up and off. And Our church is called Faith Heights Church because the just shall live by faith. Would you ever think about it? How are you going to overcome something that you're pretending you don't really have? No, I don't have that. I don't have that. I've heard people say they, they heard just enough about faith to be dangerous. And I've heard people confess things that, no, 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 that's not what faith is. Some people think faith is denying problems. No, that's dangerous. We don't deny problems. We override problems. We deny their right to damage us, but we don't deny that they're there. That's Christian science. That's, that's something else. That's, you know, oh, there's no sickness. Well, then why did Jesus bear 39 stripes of a, a bloody mess for our healing? Right. If sickness wasn't a real thing, it's a real thing. It's really there. Why would he go through that? First right. Corinthians 4. So let me, let me just close with a couple scriptures here. You guys doing all right? 1 Corinthians 4. And look at verse 4. Paul said, do you have the new living? Yeah, you do. My conscience is clear. That's a great thing to be able to say. But that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Now, you know what? That's not the right verse. Let me read the King James. For I know nothing of myself. And <laughs> What? Oh. Okay, somebody help me find the scripture that Paul said. Um, it's a very small thing to me that I'd be judged by another man. Anybody know where that scripture is? It's a very small thing for me. Verse 3? <laughs> Thank you. Do you have the New Living in verse 3 too? But with me, it's a very small thing, Paul said, that I should be judged. Okay, what did we just do there? Okay, as for me, Paul said it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. What's he saying here? He's saying, listen, what you think of me really doesn't matter. But isn't that where the masks come from? I want everybody to think everything's great in my life. I want everybody to think I'm cool. I want everybody to think everything's right. I'm strong. I'm blessed. I'm successful. And it can be a front, not a real faith confession. And Paul said, really, when it comes... Because how many people are insecure today? Wearing all these masks, having to be around the cool crowd, not realizing they're already cool if they're a born-again Christian. They ain't no celebrity with a mansion and millions of dollars that's even nearly one iota as cool as you if you're born again and they're not. Everybody's wearing all these masks and pretending all these things because you want other people to think you're a certain way. That's how you cut off the help of God from your life. You have to be honest with the Lord. You don't have to go telling everybody all your sins and mistakes, but you've got to be honest. And quit pretending. 
One more scripture, Philippians chapter 1. Sometimes we need a little help in this area, so we're going to end with a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. And we're going to pray it for ourselves. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Why don't you guys stand up with me? Let's pray this prayer together. Let's release faith for it. I thought if being sincere was just automatic, why would Paul pray this? And why, why are we going to pray it for ourselves? Sometimes you need help in this crazy world that's forcing you to put on a mask and forcing you to be real and forcing you to appear different than you really are. So let's pray this for ourselves. Paul, pray this for the church at Philippi. Let's pray it for ourselves in first person. Would you pray it with me? And every time it says your, put my. All right, let's see. And this I pray that my love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that I may approve things that are excellent. Now notice, that I may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God. 